turn with me to Hebrews, if you have a Bible with you, Hebrews chapter 10. And I'll be reading from the NLT. Or you can actually, it will be up there. So we're going to... Uh, so I like to read the scriptures um, at a church meeting. Actually, the Bible says, pay attention to the reading. Give attention to the reading of the word. Do you know there's a verse like that? Paul was actually telling the church, I don't know which uh, epistle that was, but he was telling them to give attention, to make sure that the word was being read consistently in the church gathering. This is important. Okay, so... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 36. I'm going to read. It says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Do you like that? It says, Do not throw away. Let's do that together, everybody. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Don't throw it away. There, 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 there is a lot. We're, we're talking about divine timing. And today we want to go further. Well, we, we want to close it up. This is the third one. But we, we have a subtitle called Never Give Up. Actually, I like the way I wrote it there. It's never, ever give up. I watched an interview of a successful man who had gone through a lot of stuff in his life. And they said, if you were to advise anyone today from this interview, what would be one thing you would tell anyone who may be going through anything in their lives? He said, I will tell them to never, ever give up. Say that with me. Never, ever give up. Never. A little louder. Never, ever give up. So many people of faith give up too soon. Many people of faith give up too soon. We're going through stuff. We're going through situations in our marriage. In fact, one of the reasons why 50% of marriages among believers in North America are ending in divorce is because of this very reason. People give up too soon. People don't want to try. People don't want to have the conversations that will lead to a healing or they feel that there is a... And they are hearing from all around them being bombarded that there are solutions outside that there's something better out there actually focus on the family did some research and their research is these guys they spent i appreciate how they work they do spend time and money on their research and they found they found that many most people more than 70 percent, i think 70 percent of people in 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 a, a second marriage are not happier than the first one that they ditched see so Many people of faith give up too soon. And my prayer is that you do not give up. I have three things to say here. Jesus' followers must understand that God hasn't forgotten them. What did we say earlier on uh, you know, uh, in the service? We said God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he says. I will never leave you or forsake you. So we must understand that God hasn't forgotten you. Do you think God has forgotten you? Sometimes people think that because of, you know, and then, you know, you start talking in low tones. I don't know what's going on. You know, you know, it's, you feel forgotten. But he says, I will not. I will never leave you. So he can't forget you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We must continually call on him. That's our responsibility. We can't say, oh, you know what? It's not working. I'm going to drop it. You know, there's a saying in the business world and in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, generally speaking, there is a saying that if you continue to do, do, to do the same thing and, and, and expect the same result, that that's the definition of insanity. Well, it is factual 
depending on the situation. But divinely speaking, it is not true. <laughs> I like that. Because if God tells you to stand here, other people will say, that's why the Bible says we are fools for Christ's sake. Did you hear what I just said? If God tells you to repeat something or to stay at your duty post, it's not foolishness. You might think, oh, this church, the reason why it's here is because of such and such a thing. But God may be saying the reason why Joy Fountain is meeting in this school is because of someone that has not even shown up yet. Maybe that person has not even been born. Our assignment when it comes to God is to be faithful. Please say that with me. My assignment when it comes to God is to be faithful. See, as soon as you know what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be attending for local church, where you're supposed to have relationships and things, or the job you are called to, or the vision that God has given you, be faithful in it. God doesn't bless by, okay, you know, I have a million dollars in my bank, therefore, everybody doesn't have a million dollars in their bank. But if God has called you to do something, he will provide all that you need to get what you need done, done. And that's the story of Joy Fountain. Everything we need, God somehow always provides. So when we don't get certain things, I know maybe that's not, it's not time. There are times also I've learned that sometimes God shows you the way by what he does not provide. So he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We must continually call on him. We have no option. There's no going back as far as this faith is concerned. Amen. <laughs> So I want to share, share with you four ancient people who never give up. And I call them the never giver uppers. Never giver uppers. Because we can learn from them. You know, I always say that um, when it comes to the Bible, the world says, oh, it's an old book. It's dusty. It's this and that. But have you noticed that the highest grossing movies of all time, the movies that gross 500 million at box office, 1 billion over time, there are actually movies of things that have happened years ago. Do you agree with me? Or music, movies that are very futuristic in nature. People are so interested in the past. They're intrigued by what lies at the bottom of the ocean, by the Titanic, by all these kinds of things, or mysteries like Narnia, you know, or, or, or something about the future like space. I remember when I was young, that was Space 1999. That was way back then. Star Trek. And they, they, when they see success, they release another one. People are intrigued because in our DNA, God has put a desire to, to, to search for the unknown. Which leads us to, to, to meeting him. So I want to talk about four ancients so that we can learn from them. So when people say there's nothing from the scriptures, the Bible is a very deep well of treasure. And you can find treasure for your soul. And may we do so even today in Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? amen? In Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, we read the story of a man called blind Bartimaeus. Well, Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. That's what it means in their language. The son of Timaeus. That's why I put it there, the son of Timaeus. He was a beggar who sat by the road begging because in those days, beggars, blind people, that's all you could do. You're limited. There is no braille reading or whatever. So he was very limited. And Jesus had gone to Jericho, performed miracles, and was leaving Jericho. And blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming that way. So he began to cry out as soon as they came near us, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was praying and asking for Jesus to have mercy on him. Now, 
the interesting thing is that he faced overwhelming discouragement from many bystanders. In verse 46, the, for, verse 48, the Bible says that those who are around him shouted. To, they yelled. In fact, I like the way uh, uh, the NLT puts it. says, they yelled on him to keep quiet. Friends, they did what? They yelled on him to keep quiet. They were talking. They were doing all this, you know, having all these conversations, but he couldn't talk. Your place is to be a beggar. Sit there. I think for years, blind Bartimaeus had been thinking. Since he started hearing about Jesus, he was hoping for the day Jesus would come and say, my miracle will not pass me by. I'm going to cry out. I'm going to shout. I'm going to get his attention until he heals me. That's it. And did he get his healing or not? The Bible says Jesus stopped and called him. If the same people who told him to keep quiet had told him, ah, he's calling you. Go, 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 go. <laughs> go, go, go for your healing. May that be your story. That those who laugh, those who think you are not up to, who are not up to anything, may they be the ones to now herald you and say, wow, okay, now we realize God is on your side. May that be your story in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he faced overwhelming discouragement. And I want you to know that you will also face sometimes discouragement that is overwhelming. How many people have been through an overwhelming situation here? Financially, in your marriage, in your relationship. I mean, it's just, it's like, oh no, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. You even think God is not hearing your prayer. You pray and pray. <laughs> we'll see that later as we go on. Now, then the second person that we want to talk about, the, uh, the second never giver upper, is the woman with constant bleeding for 12 years. You know, for those of you who have had a menstrual cycle, you know how tough that can be. You know how, you know, it is. But imagine, I am not, so I don't know what it's like, but I've heard about it, and I have, I've read about it, and I can imagine this woman having this for 12 years. And you know what I see there in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 34. Mark chapter 5, 25 to 34. Something very interesting with this woman's story. The Bible says she had spent all she had on doctors only to get worse. Let me read it. Mark 5, 25. It said a woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. I want you to observe here. The Bible says she has suffered many things from what? Many doctors. Do you know what that means? Many doctors told her they could cure her when they had no solution. All they wanted to do was to write her an invoice. You have a serious problem. I have the elixir, the perfect mix. Mix this herb, mix this one, drink it for like three weeks, but you have to pay once, you know, every time you come see me. So she spent all she had. That's why the Bible says she suffered from many doctors, people who offered her help, but were unable to help her. So for 12 years, this person should have given up. And like, you know what? How people give up, they take their own life. Say, you know, I've had enough. I don't think I can do this anymore. It's too much. 12 years. But Jesus stepped up to the plate. And I, I you see, I, it says that... Uh, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him. That's in verse 27. And through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. The never giver upper always tries something else. 
Other people will say, well, why are you still, still trying? Because those who have gone before me, if they gave up, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be where I am today. If those who had gone before you, if your parents had given up, maybe you would not have been here today. If you know some of the things your parents went through, the difficulties, the hard times when there was no money for food on the table, when they had been given the pink slip and they were not sure what else to do, where they had to go and do things that, you know, they didn't even think they should be doing. But here you are today. We just have to look back in our own life, in our own stories. Some of our parents were not even believers. They didn't have the kind of uh, understanding that you and I have today. What a blessing that we know God, that we have a relationship with him. Amen. All right. So we see also uh, in the, uh, you know, with, with the, this woman that she had spent everything. I don't know how you have certain problems that you may have faced and you have put everything you have in it, your emotions and what your, your finances. And, and it looks like there's no end. See, you are coming to a point where God will surprise you and turn your situation around, and you will have an amazing story to tell. You are a testimony in the making. You are a book being written. You, you are just on a certain chapter. And I don't know, this may be the last chapter. This may be when you close it up. But guess what? Your story will change lives in Jesus' name. The third one is a woman crippled by an evil spirit in Luke chapter 13 verse 10 to 13. In her own case, the Bible says that she was crippled by what? An evil spirit. This was a spiritual problem. So even if she went to doctors, even if she, she, uh, she, if she had to go to the gym and do some exercises, if she tried some, some, some stretches, it wouldn't change her situation because the spiritual problem there needed a spiritual solution. And had a, someone more powerful than that evil spirit had to show up. Someone with the spirit of God. Because the devil bows to the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus in Mark chapter 6 get, anointed his disciples and sent them out. The Bible says they were casting out devils. They came back in, 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 in Luke chapter 11 excited. They said we saw Satan fall like lightning from him. They said yes. I gave you the power, but do not rejoice that demons bow to your name, I mean, to, to you in my name, but rejoice that your names are what? Written in heaven. Let's keep going. So we see that the woman was crippled by an evil spirit. There are some problems that are evil spirit supplied. And we need to supply the Holy Spirit. Bible talks about who is it who supplies you the spirit. We have to supply the Holy Spirit to the situation. And how do you supply the spirit? How do you multiply the presence of the spirit? Friends, you've got to pray and not just weak praying. You've got to pray in the name of Jesus. You've got to bring the blood of Jesus to bear on the situation. Yes. <laughs> and then the evil spirit would leave. Jesus called her over and healed her. The interesting thing here is that the woman, you may say, but she's, she, is she really a giver-upper? Uh, sorry, is she really a, a never-giver-upper? Because we don't see her going to touch Jesus. We don't see her shouting like blind Bartimaeus, or you know. We don't see her like the other woman who went to touch. So how do we qualify, how do we characterize her, you know, positively speaking now, as one who is uh, a, a never-giver-upper? I tell you, she showed up. She showed up at the crusade she showed up at the event where jesus was 
Because the Bible says, when Jesus saw her. So here's my, how I imagine it. So people are seated on the hillside, maybe, or in the synagogue, or wherever it, it happened. I didn't look to see what exactly had happened there. But uh, the people are gathered. So Jesus is, uh, is teaching, and he's, he's, he's looking at the people, being who he was. Being the one with all these giftings, word of knowledge flowing in him. He looks at her and can immediately tell. That she's going through. Some of you have experienced that, right? You, this spirit, word of God, you just see somebody and deep inside of you, you have a knowing that they're in need spiritually and you just want to go pray for them. So that's what I see happening here. And Jesus says to her, come, come. The Bible says Jesus called her over and healed her. He called her over and healed her. How I know she's a never giver upper is she didn't stay at home and say, I'm not going today. There are many Christians in Winnipeg right now who are sitting in their homes. How it starts, they say, we're going to watch uh, a, a preacher on TV. We're not going to go to church. There's nothing wrong in that. Did you hear what I said? It's a good thing to do. But here's the problem. You can become, people can become so used to it. Before long, they, don't, they stop even watching. Because what the devil wants to do is to, you need to watch TV to see what is being preached. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing you have, you are failing in God's design. Because God designed us to come together. Somebody say, come together. And then we go back. And then we use all those other, those are supports. One day I watched a service on TV and I enjoyed it on Facebook Live. I enjoyed it. At the end, somebody came on and started talking about how, you know, um, you know, next meeting, what's going to happen and all that. And talking to those of us who are watching online. Then I, I heard people talking in the back. In the, there was a lot of chatter going on. You know, how like noise after a service ends. And I felt I was missing something I, that I wish I was there to engage in the conversation. So those are fillers. They don't, they don't replace showing up. And this woman showed up. That's how I know that she is not, uh, she is not a giver-upper. She is what? A never-giver-upper. So are you one who will never give up? Never, ever give up. <laughs> if you keep showing up, you never know. You show up. And one day is your day. You show up at your business. One day is your day. You show up at work. One day is your day. You show up at work, the same office, the same building. You enter into that same elevator that you've entered for 10 years. But this particular day, you are riding it with the vice president. And for some reason, the vice president, he or she takes notice of you and says, you know what? You've been in this building for how long? Oh, yeah, 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, mom, you know. And then the Lord says, yes, I put you in this elevator today to see this person. God can talk to anybody. God can change anybody's mind at a second. When your time comes, divine timing, God will move heaven and earth to get to you. When divine timing is up for this church, everything that has been said that was negative, everything that may have happened, whatever, I don't care what it is. God is so big. If we are faithful in preaching the gospel, you know, sometimes you preach the gospel. You are not even preaching to anybody. You're just saying what God gave you in the morning. I remember somebody asking me one day, so why were you talking to me? I said, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I, that, I mean, but as I said, how could you feel so important to the point that you think I spent the last three days preparing this sermon for you? Like that is so like, what, how do you think? 
And, and that has happened to me in the several decades that I've been a pastor. Sometimes I will just get this message and I will preach and people, someone will say, you were talking to me. I wasn't talking to you. By the way, it just might be that God is talking to you. <laughs> you know, so I've got to be faithful. I have no choice. I have no choice. Years ago, the Lord gave me a vision and I saw that I was teaching many people. And as far as, and so for me, if I find one person to invest in, because the Lord said, teach that one person. If you have 10, teach those 10 people. Because if you are able to fire up 10 people, 10 people can take a whole nation, I'm telling you. So we've got to be, we've got to be responsible to what God has asked us to do so that he can do the rest. I tell you, when divine timing comes, when God says it is time, the rains will fall. I tell you, the clouds will empty all the blessings that have been loaded. People will, who have laughed at you will come back and say, my goodness, I had no idea where you would be today. But let's be faithful. <laughs> the last one is the, the man who was sick for 38 years. In John chapter 5, verse 1 to 9, we see this man over by this pool. There were many sick people around this pool. And they all know that an angel comes once in a long while to stir the water. Anybody who enters the pool first gets healed. But this man was helpless, paralyzed. He couldn't move. So for 38 years, or for how many whatever years he's been sick, uh, he, uh, I don't know when he arrived at the pool. <laughs> Maybe 10 years, maybe five, I don't know. But each year he would try and struggle, but he wouldn't get there. There are people like that who feel every time they try, they don't get what they are looking for. Every time you try, it's like you are the one, it's like you have paralysis or you have analysis paralysis. You are never able to move forward. Other people get there before you. But here's the thing, my friends. Jesus went to the man and said, in John chapter five, verse one to nine, he said, do you want to be healed? Honestly, I wonder why Jesus asks some questions sometimes. But you see, I'm beginning to realize that he's looking at the heart. When Jesus is talking to you, he's not, talking, he's not hearing what you are saying. He's hearing what your heart is saying. Because you can be saying one thing with your mouth, your heart is saying something else. So the man is lying there. He says, do you want to be healed? See, the man for a long time has been thinking, I won't be healed anymore because, because there's nobody to help me. But then there's another part of his heart that had not completely let go. Because I know God answers the prayer of anyone who is calling. So he had not completely let go. He was still expecting a healing. That's why he remained there. He would have asked his relatives, please, can you take me home? So let's just go. Let's forget about this. Uh, by the way, I, I, I preached this sermon years back and I said, I don't even know why he didn't have relatives. What kind of a person was he that he didn't have any what? Relatives. I've looked at it from another perspective. That at least he will have somebody who will come and struggle. Has he offended all his friends and neighbors and, 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 and uncles and aunties? And, uh, well, like, what, what, what really happened here? But, you know, in this life, there are people who don't have anybody. Do you know that? There are people who have no one. I can't wait to reach to, out to thousands of people. I'll tell you why. If you don't reach thousands of people, you will not find a few. I told you at the... Uh, at the um, family fun day, that I was praying and the Spirit of God spoke to me clearly. He said, I fed the 5,000 to find the few that I will fill. Because he fed 5,000 people, they didn't change anybody. 
They didn't change the, the city. Instead, they, instead, they complained and asked for more bread and fish. But he filled 120. We're still talking about it today. The Holy Spirit is still here with us today. The church is growing today. The church is going today. Hallelujah. Because he filled 120. But he fed 5,000. There's nothing wrong with feeding the thousands. But you find the few to fill when you feed the many. And when you feed the many, God will say you've done what you're supposed to do. He will bless you. From north, east, west, and south, they will, come, they will gather to come and receive the word. The man was sick for 38 years. Think about it. 38 years is a long time. That's four decades. Almost five decades. And then Jesus shows up and now asked him a question. Why would he be there? But I think Jesus wanted to hear from him to teach us the lesson of faith. That we have to still reach out to God. Never stop reaching out. Don't get to the point where it's like, I can't do it anymore. Even if your hand can't go up, even if your voice can't go up, like the woman, show up. That's why sometimes when people show up in church and they're sitting down, they're not singing, they're not uh, lifting up their hands. Uh, you know, when I started in ministry, actually, years back, I was very young at the time, I was in my early 20s, I would go up to them and challenge them. I'd say, why are you in church and you're not doing this? But you don't know. They might just be going through a depression. And they're the only place that they have come for healing, for deliverance, is the church. They have no more strength to sing. No more strength to raise up their hands to do anything, whatever. Let them be. <laughs> Let them be. You just lift up the... You, you know, some people say, oh, well, they may be carrying a demonic presence. Well, if Jesus is in the house, hallelujah, somebody, he's bigger than every demon. He's bigger than every evil spirit. He's bigger than every serpent. He's bigger than... Every, the Bible says that we'll, it will crush the head of the serpent under our feet. Hallelujah. That's the word of the living God. And that's what we stand upon. That's what we stand upon. The Bible says that Jesus healed him. How did he heal him? He asked him, Would, do you want to be healed? I want to show you something. Jesus healed him outside the pool. All these years, people have been healed in the pool. The man who had been waiting for his healing for many years, the day he was healed, he was healed outside the pool. Friends, your healing may come outside of your expectation. Your healing will come outside of what you are thinking. Your healing will come outside of your family members. Your breakthrough will come outside of the friend circle that you have. Your breakthrough will not come from where you are expecting. There are many Christians who have money, but they failed God. As soon as God blessed them and said, I will bless you, they asked God for the blessing. God gave them and said, but you have to give to me. They've stopped tithing, they've stopped giving, and they have all kinds of reasons. They put the money in the account and they feel so good about themselves. So when they come to the church, they say, why didn't you do this? Why did you? They become bosses because of their money. They don't realize that God can take it in one second. That's why I said, let's trust in the Lord. God can pick up anybody. The car dealership down the road who has no idea of the God of heaven. God will say, today is the day for you to get saved. Get born again. They get born again. They come into the church and they are writing the checks that you never imagined. They, God can pick the biggest farmer in this, in, this, in this place. And they will show up in church one day. The day of compelling is coming because divine timing is the day of God's compilation. When God's timing comes, he compels people to show up compels them to show up but we must load our cloud we must get our cloud dark and heavy the cloud of glory must be dark and heavy with our prayer dark and heavy with our praise dark and heavy with our preaching dark and heavy with our purposefulness dark and heavy with our refusal to give up 
that as long as we never give up us, the cloud is loading. The cloud is loading. The cloud is loading. The cloud is loading. One day it will empty itself. The cloud over joy fountain is a cloud of quality, not a cloud of quantity. The cloud over joy fountain is a cloud of discipleship, not a cloud of wasting of time. The cloud over joy fountain is a cloud that takes time to gather. Friends, when that cloud gathers, it's going to be a thunderstorm, a tsunami of the glory of God. And the people will sit on the chairs that have received the word, the chairs that have been baptized with the word of God, the chairs that have received the presence of God. And people's growth will be massive. You say, how come? He became a Christian six months ago. Some people have given up. They've given up. Oh, the Christian faith in North America is dead. It's not dead. You know why it's not dead? Two reasons. God is alive. You are alive. <laughs> Jesus healed him outside the pool. Friends, I close today with the story of Colonel Harland Sanders, the KFC founder. <laughs> this man is called Colonel Harland Sanders. He was fired from a variety of jobs throughout his career before he first started cooking chicken in his roadside shell service station. When he was 40 years old, during the Great Depression, he's a believer too, you know, his gas station didn't actually have a restaurant. So he served dinners in his attached personal living quarters. Over 10 years, he perfected this secret recipe. Some of you have eaten KFC, right? All right. <laughs> and pressure fry cooking method for his various, his famous fried chicken. And he moved into bigger locations. Well, to cut a long story short, um, eventually uh, the, the, the interstate came through the Kentucky town where his restaurant was first located in the 1950s. So it took away important road traffic and the colonel was forced to close his business and retire broke. He had only 105 monthly pension check. He didn't know what to do. But this man was a never give up. Today people see KFC, it's all over the world. Even in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, people want to eat KFC. People tell us, well, it's not healthy, but there you go. People are still buying the buckets because it's fried chicken. We just found out that a few years ago. Now people don't want to eat fried chicken. But, you know, I ate KFC the other day. Somebody brought it to the office and, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm going to eat just once in a while. Once in a while. But the, the once in a while, too, are contributing millions. But you know what he did? He started traveling around selling the recipe. He was turned down 1,000 times. He said, I'll sell you the recipe. You'll be my partner, right? So when you sell, you give me two pence, I think it was, for every, from every chicken. That was a brilliant idea. No more cooking. He's retired now. No more cooking and trying. No, I'll just sell you the recipe you give me. And eventually, after 1,000 rejections, he became a huge success. Number two, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry had a rough childhood, physically and sexually abused growing up. Got kicked out of high school, tried to commit suicide twice. Once as a preteen and again at 22. At 23, he moved to Atlanta, took up odd jobs as he started working on his stage career. In 1992, he wrote and produced and starred in his first theater production. He went around trying everything he knew. It was miserable. He put all his savings in it. It crashed. Eventually, he started living out of his car. He finally broke through when on its seventh run, the show became a success. He told the story about how he was sitting upstairs in the, in the green room preparing. And he said, I'm going to give up. He had tears in there. He was just going to give up. And then the voice said to him, go to the window and look through and see. People had gathered around and formed a long line waiting to buy tickets to go in. You know, he didn't give up. Forbes 
put his name as uh, in 2011, 2011, uh, he was named Forbes highest paid man in entertainment in 2011, or somebody who was sleeping in his car. Now, these are just stories of people who, you know, we hear that they are people of faith. I, I don't know them personally, so I don't know how deep they are in their faith in God. But I want you to know that you are a child of God. Hallelujah. And God has a plan for your life. And there's no reason for you to fail. If you planned to fail, it's too late. You know why? Because you came to Joy Fountain this morning. So <laughs> it's too late. If you don't want to be blessed, oh, by the way, it's too late. Because you came here this morning. Hallelujah. And the Lord has prepared a blessing for you. Let's put our hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has made a way for you. Do not give up. Never, ever give up. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, <laughs> never, ever give up. Amen. Say it again, neighbor, friend, spouse, <laughs> never, never give up. Hallelujah. May you never give up in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, put your hands together for the King of Kings. Give a shout unto the Lord.